You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, yeah, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Now, today, uh, Geneva Magnus is going to be joining us again. This officially makes her the first uh, person to be on this podcast twice, and she's joining us uh, to talk about her her recent Grammy nomination. She is currently up for, I believe the technical category is um, Best Contemporary Blues Album. I hope I got that right. She'll explain it better in just a moment, Uh, but she's up for for a freaking Grammy, and um, not only am I extremely proud of her, uh, but I'm I'm pretty excited about this because I was part of the team behind this album. I was brought on, I, I believe, and I hope I I'm remembering this right because I never actually wrote it down. But I think the uh, the title that I was given was head of digital sales and marketing or something like that. But all, all that means is I, I did what I do. I was brought on as a marketing consultant, and I I used the MMM, the Music Marketing Manifesto strategy, uh, to get her album in front of her fans and ultimately help drive sales. Uh, We did pretty well with it. The album uh, debuted at number five on Billboard's Blues chart. Uh, It it did well on a number of different charts. It was number one at Blues Radio. Uh, I want to say, and I hope I'm not remembering wrong here, something like eight of the 10 songs uh, were in the top 40 at Blues Radio. She just she really killed it with this album, and uh, as a result, uh, and you know, as a as a culmination, no doubt, of many years of hard work, she has finally been nominated for a Grammy. This is her, her first Grammy nomination as of this recording. I think the the awards take place in about six days, so uh, we'll know uh, fairly soon what what comes of all of this. But regardless of whether or not she actually takes home that Grammy, you know, she is now and forever a Grammy nominated artist, and that's that's huge. You know, that's really the the sort of highest public honor that uh, can be bestowed upon us as musicians and it's even more impressive because she's an independent artist and you don't see that happen all that often an independent artist um, being nominated for a Grammy so we're we're really excited about it I'm sure she is over the moon about it um, and I asked if she would join us on the the podcast to basically talk about the album and talk about you know how this happens how does an artist get a Grammy because I know that there are Many of us out there that are thinking to ourselves, man, I'd like to be nominated for a Grammy one day. So I basically uh, asked Geneva to share her story and I put that question before her. You know, what does it take to get a Grammy? How does this happen? So Geneva is going to join us in just a moment and share some insight into her story, her process and uh, how this all came about. Um, let's all put some good thoughts into the universe for Geneva. Here's, you know, here's hoping that she brings it home. But again, regardless of what happens on the 12th, we're uh, all, all, and I say we as in the team behind her, you know, very, very proud of and excited for her, uh, her success and this nomination, this acknowledgement from the industry. So before we uh, head over to that interview, I just want to quickly remind everyone, if, if you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, be sure to subscribe or wherever it is that you, you do listen to podcasts, subscribe, rate it and review it. Those reviews, they really help uh, with the whole algorithm that takes place 
place behind the scenes. They propel certain podcasts to the top, and as a, as a result, uh, a podcast gets more listeners, and the more listeners there are, the more podcast episodes will be forthcoming. So if you like this podcast, please do head on over to iTunes or wherever it is that you, you download this podcast and leave a review. Uh, the, again, they, they do really help, and I'd really appreciate it. With that out of the way, let's uh, let's talk to Geneva and hear her story and hear more about her path to a Grammy nomination as an independent artist. So Geneva Magnus is on the line. Geneva, thanks for being on the call. Sure, appreciate it, John. Sure, appreciate it. Awesome. Well, uh, as I have already said, so you know, you've got some amazing things happening. You are uh, nominated for a Grammy. So how crazy is your world right now? <laughs> Real, totally crazy. Totally awesome. crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we're recording this. What? How many days out are we now from the actual the Grammys? Is it? Is it seven days? I think. Seven days, man. Yeah. Seven no. days out. Yeah. Hoping to get this out just tomorrow or possibly the next day, so people, you know, should still have a little bit of time to listen to this before, before the big day. But uh, before we talk about that, and we are we are going to talk about, uh, you know, your your whole experience and and really kind of how that happens, how. Uh, uh, for the most part, independent artists, which we'll, we'll clarify in a moment here, um, but how an independent artist becomes nominated for a Grammy, because you don't you don't hear about that all that often. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, but before we do, just for anyone who is is not familiar with you and your story, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do? Wow. Well, a little bit is hard to do with that, because there's, you know, I've been, I've been singing songs and somebody's been paying money to do that for... I think about 45 years now. Um, wow. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, this, just in 2016, I released my 12th CD, my 12th record under my name. Plus, um, we actually released vinyl on that first time in all these years. I finally actually released physical vinyl, which I'm super stoked about. And that same album, which is titled Love Wins Again, got nominated for... Um, the Grammy blues contemporary blues album of the year. So it's, it's mind boggling to me, you know, um, there's sure. been a, a, I guess what I think of as a long list of things that I said to myself about what's never going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's like a safety net. It's like, it's like the dark side of a safety net. If I, if I can go that deep into it, you know, where I, I don't want to, get myself too stoked or too excited or or be disappointed or, or have expectations and get them dashed that you know amazing great things are going to happen that's not who i am it's not my hardwire my hardwire is to just keep my nose to the grindstone and keep working and doing my best to create good music with good musicians you know what i mean sure, john sure. and that, like that's really the focal point that's really been the point so when accolades, as accolades have started to come in the last 10 to 15 years, um, I'm always surprised in a real happy way. It's the best, sure. best possible of all surprises, but I certainly never expected to see Grammy nominated next to my name. And um, it's, it's just really, really exciting and a bit nerve-wracking, you yeah. know, to tell, the to, to tell the total truth of it, it's a bit nerve-wracking. But not bad. 
Sure. Not bad. No, not not bad at all. (laughs) And and do you want to explain a little bit about the music that you make? Because obviously we heard we heard you just say contemporary blues artists, but I know that you're starting to branch off into other formats as well. Right. So um, Americana soul, Americana blues, um, are some of the newer labels that the industry has come up with to determine what the hell I'm doing, me and a bunch (laughs) of other people, (laughs) you know, so it's actually become, you know, Americana's become a category. Uh, Americana soul is actually an official term these days, um, which I think is pretty cool. It articulates, it articulates pretty well what it is that I do, which is American roots based music um, that has elements of blues, elements of soul, elements of folk, you know, and right. you know as well as I do that folk is a four-letter word. So, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I, I think that I think that makes sense. But it's really, really, really based in traditional blues. The taproot of it um, is traditional blues. Sure, for sure, sure. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the label situation and and really kind of just your journey there, your relationship with labels, because I've referred to you as an independent artist. You have a sort of um, a, a marriage of of labels, um, but but take us from the beginning uh, uh, up to date in terms of what your status has been as a either independent artist or or a signed act. Right, fully. In- I started out as a fully independent artist, meaning you know. One of the things I don't have very much of is patience. I'm not a very patient person. I don't like waiting on other people. Um, I, I just as soon try to figure it out myself if it's something I don't know how to do and, and, and you know, get it figured out and then just go ahead and charge forward, so to speak. But, um, you know, 12 records, um, the very first one fully independent. I just got tired of waiting around. Not that I was waiting around for a label to sign me, but, you know, um, I just didn't think that was going to happen. And I wasn't really convinced from a very early point. I was not convinced that um, being with a label was necessarily going to be a good thing because I knew full and well that I'd have to give away a certain amount of control. And I wasn't very keen on that idea either. Right. So first in, first release, which was titled More Than Live, um, which was actually recorded live to 24 track. Um, I had some real good friends at the time that were um, running the show over at the record plant in Hollywood, and they sent a couple of trucks out with um, a little-known engineer at the time and a bunch of what they referred to as the janitors, all the interns, in other words, (laughs) at the record plant. And um, that little-known engineer at the time was a fellow by the name of Ed Cherney, who's now, you know, a very, very well-established and very well-known engineer producer. But, um, you know, I I released that on my own label that was called um, Fathead Records at the time. And then um, the album number two was all original material um, written by my then-husband and myself um, that release was called it takes one to no one um fully independent again on fathead records then i got signed you know somebody in new jersey offered me a deal <laughs> and i did three <laughs> records with a small independent blues label w- was a lot like dealing with the sopranos 
and I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> and did three records with a small label in New Jersey, and they still they still don't pay me any royalties. You know, they right. still owe me royalties. They still they didn't ever want to. Um, you know, here was the deal: they never wanted to uh, report the sound scan, the system mm. of sound scan which the, uh, we know the infrastructure of the business of music has used as a key way to value an artist. You know, it's, right. I think of SoundScan as a dinosaur, quite frankly. Right. You know, that's, that's a slow death. But, um, um, yeah, they didn't want to report the SoundScan because that meant that I would be able to count the number of albums that were sold, which means that I'd come after them for royalties. Yikes. I never so heard they, this story. Oh yeah, oh yeah, true story. Um, got you know, I love those mooks. I love those guys. Um, but they were really like dealing with the Sopranos. So three records with Blues Leaf, and then I signed to a Canadian, another in small independent Canadian label. <clears throat> excuse me, called Northern Blues, and I did two albums with Northern Blues, where I sort of branched. Started, I began branching into a little bit more of the folk. Well, at the time it was referred to as folk. It wasn't really, there wasn't really a thing called Americana music. So, right. um, but I was blues and basically what is now known today as Americana on the two releases for Northern blues, um, along with some of the beginnings of original material on those albums. And then I got signed to alligator records, the largest independent blues label, the largest blues label in the world. And I did three records over six years with Alligator. And um, then made a leap back to, uh, it just became real obvious that it was time uh, as a girlfriend of mine is fond of saying, controles destinado, you know, back to me so that I could steer the ship more completely and more thoroughly and so that I was going to be in control of what was happening creatively and what was going to be the end result of that creativity. And so I left Alligator Records and launched Fathead back up again, my own label, and released an album of all original songs. This time I really took a huge leap and did a bunch of co-writing on this album. And that's when... Um, you and I met John and yeah. that album was titled original. And, um, you know, I had a, as you know, you're well aware of the intimate details of, of sure. the, the nonstop flop sweat <laughs> that was going on trying to get that album launched and get it out there and, and trying to, um, you know, there was a whole lot of work, a whole lot of sweating, and a whole lot of, you know, trying to practice this principle of faith that there is a system of checks and balances in the universe and that maybe I was going to actually be able to fly with this thing. And it turned out the results for original were far, far beyond what any of our expectations were. My expectations, Dave Darling, you know, your friend, uh, my friend and producer, um, and then you as the main spearhead of the marketing team for, you know, <clears throat> um, your company. And that, 
um, it was really a profound experience. It was really a profound experience. And I learned that completely and fully independent of other labels, there actually is a net. And the universe actually does, in fact, have a system of checks and balances. And that my, you know, the short version of it is that my fans, they're the net. And that was such a profound experience. It was such a beautiful um, way to, to find that out, you know. Sure. Because, you, sure. you know, you jump off the edge of the cliff. You know, I, I, we really, I really jumped off the edge of the cliff on that one. And there were a whole lot of naysayers, by the way, you know, but it turned out that the, that the support of the fans and the support of my audience and the support of a handful of friends of mine, including you were much louder and much stronger than the naysayers. So, you know, who knew? And what, and what, yeah. And what, and what were some of the heights just so everyone hears them? I mean, I know that, uh, obviously the, the album debuted at number seven on billboard, uh, but you are sorry, sorry for, uh, the billboard blues chart that is, um, yep. but you had a whole, whole number of sort of, uh, impressive little stats with that album. You want to kind of run, run through some of those? Yeah. You, you, you can help me remember some of this stuff. Um, you know, I do have the, I do have the CRS disease, which is, I can't remember shit, but here's what I do remember about that. Yeah. It debuted in the top 10 on billboard fully and independently by the way in other words no political relationships pre-existing with yeah. any corporations or large hammers just little right. old me just little sure. old me just like you know there's the beanstalk and then there's then there's jack <laughs> and i'm jack right i'm jack motherfucker so you know um <clears throat> and that was really profound. We sold out um, the entire first run of manufacture before the street date. <laughs> I remember yeah, that. that was, and that, that was, was beautiful because we were then scrambling and I was like, you know, pushing the little manufacturer that we had down in San Diego. Um, like you guys got to find a way to get me. I need, I need at least like, couple thousand more of these things because i can't i sold everything's gone i we sold it out before street date which yeah. which meant that there was a very strong uh um number for pre-orders we also sure. know the strength of of what a pre-order campaign can do and and i think the release of original actually um demonstrated that you know, to right, be able to right. debut in the top 10 on Billboard, um, you know, fully independent, um, to be able to um, sell out <laughs> the first run of manufacture before the actual street date. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and what was that like, uh, you know, making that leap? So here you are, you're this blues artist on the world's largest blues label. I'm sure many artists would have thought that was kind of the the height of things and there was you know you you were at the ceiling um and to take that leap and to go it alone um you know must have been fairly terrifying and i bring this up because i know a lot of independent artists are out there kind of going do i want to try and get a record deal you know there's a lot of people still operating under that old thrust of you know i to make it i need to go out perform get a record deal and then somehow <laughs> i'm not really sure uh it's all gonna line up and i'm gonna have this career 
but uh, but you left all that behind, took this chance. Uh, I mean, because it could have could have really you know hurt things. You could have found out that uh, maybe the labels. Uh, infrastructure was was more significant than it ultimately ended up being in your case and you know you were sort of back at square one uh, but that didn't happen no it didn't happen and i was really really you know relieved and terribly grateful that it didn't go the way that i feared it might but here's the thing Here's what I think is important. There's a lot to be gained by going with a label. There's a lot to be gained. So here's what we haven't said, John. We haven't said how far I had already come. Right. You know, I think it's important to to know that it isn't required to be on a label, large, medium, or small label. It isn't required as an independent artist to do that. Um, I think what is important is that where I was in the curve at that point of my career was pretty well established in my genre as a recognized name. Now, I completely, sure. 200% really honestly believe that a person can do that without the aid of an independent label. But you have to operate like a business. You have to operate like a machine. You have to run your um, your business like a business. You have to work sure. every day at it. It can't be something that you you um, don't handle otherwise. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm really articulating this really well because I don't think I've ever oh, no. said said these words out no, loud. That may, may- Makes sense to me. Yeah, sure. I, know, I, I couldn't agree more. There, there are too many artists that stick their heads in the sand and just go, I'm going to be famous one day, I'm sure of it. And uh, don't yeah. really do a whole hell of a lot more than that. That ain't it. That ain't it, man. So, so I got a lot from being with those, from being with Blues Leaf, I got a lot. From being with Northern Blues, I got a lot. From being with Alligator, I got even more. And then when it was time to leave, because because it's true, you're absolutely spot on right. Um, in the genre of blues, whether it's traditional or contemporary, alligators, the end stop. It's the end of all. It's, it's the end all. You go to alligator right. and like, you made it, man. You made it. Yeah. You made it. And that's not really an accurate uh, assessment of the situation. Right. But it looks that way to a lot of people. And alligator is a great team. And they're a very prestigious label. So why wouldn't I want to stay there? Why wouldn't that be me making it? But, you know, little me, and this is my blessing, I suppose, and certainly my curse, I want more. Meaning, <laughs> meaning good enough is not enough for me. It never has been. And that's beautiful, and that's really painful. Good in, you know, I've heard it said that, that good enough is the enemy of greatness. <laughs> right. I think it's true. And I'm not saying that I'm great or achieving greatness, but but damn it, I'm reaching for it. I'm going to push myself that much more. So so be aware that I believe that I got a lot from being with Blue Leaf, that little label in New Jersey for three record cycles. That I got a lot from being with Northern Blues for two record cycles that I got a lot from being with Alligator. 
but when it was time to go, it was time to go. And so what I mean when I say I got a lot from those labels is that I got a lot more name recognition each time. I got, a, I got sure. more radio airplay each time. I got more publicity each time. So, so what I was aware of, and this was a huge part of this flop sweat, dude, what I was aware of when we were formulating the plan for original to go back fully independent was that I was going to have to operate at least as good as they did. I had to do at least what they did. I actually had to do more. But at the very bare minimum, I had to do at least what Alligator did, which meant I had right. to work, work you know, be able to get people to work radio or I had to work radio myself. I had to get people to work publicity or work the publicity myself. I had to get, you know what I mean? I had mm -hmm. to get the live shows to back up the radio and the publicity so that I could demonstrate to the people, you know, bucks in the seats. I had to get all that stuff happening without the aid of those established, let's call it what it is, corporate style relationships with the powers that be to help me. I had to do that all on my own. You know, I, I come from a long history of being a fighter. So the, you know, so the idea of it didn't necessarily scare me, but man, there was a lot of sweating going on. And I mean, sure, I mean, sure. I work harder for myself than anybody ever will. Sure. You know, so, so it's important to know that, you know, I'm not saying you can't gain things, but I think if you have a long range plan as an independent artist, that's really important to have a long range plan. Um, where sure. I am now, let's just talk about that, Blue Alon and Fathead, it's, uh, I guess, what Spike Lee would call the, call a joint relationship, you know? Yeah. So I have a tremendous amount of autonomy and um, with the relationship with Blue Alon. Took a long time to get that contract negotiated. And just to just to sort of lay it out, because we kind of brush right through that, Blue Elan is the label that you have released your most recent and now Grammy-nominated album, uh, Love Wins Again. Uh, exactly. Through, correct? Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The and thing I was, that's special I was involved, about Blue Elan uh, is that they're, they're, they're interested in collaborative type of relationships with the label. And if it was anybody sure. else with any other kind of politic, I would have never done it. Yeah, I don't think there's a label I've ever heard of on this planet that's been more sort of pro artist in their deals. It's kind of right. amazing the stuff that, they, right. yeah. that they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. so is it fair to still call you an independent artist? Because uh, you know that that's sort of how this this train of thought began. Uh, I've been throwing that word around. Do you consider yourself an independent artist? You you have this label of your own, and but you've got this partnership with Blue Elon, um, but they are an independent label. So how how do you see that? I see myself as an independent artist that's partnered. Yeah with an indie label. I don't see myself as an artist that's signed to someone, which sure. is very different. It's a very right. different relationship. It's very different politics. And, 
And what has been the difference um, from your perspective? Because a lot of the team, and you can actually um, fill in some of the blanks that I'm not actually clear on here, but uh, a lot of the team is very similar. So when you, and again, correct anything I say that is inaccurate, but when you started uh, Fathead, when you and Dave decided you were going to put out original uh, by yourselves, you brought on me to handle marketing, you brought on Niels, we're talking about Niels Schroeder, who's also Mm -hmm. been a guest on on the podcast in the past. Uh, You brought him on to be the general manager of, of uh, of either the release or fathead. I don't know how you structured that, but you also brought on, um, publicity and radio. And I'm not sure about radio, but if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, publicity was the same on both, um, releases, you know, even when you started working for the label. So very similar teams here, what was different between the two? What did the label bring that you didn't have? Or what was it, um, purely financial support? You know, how, how did the two experiences differ going completely independent versus having some help from a label? It's really interesting that you would make the point that you just did because it's actually it's actually ninety percent of the same team. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. However, so Neil was working as general manager for Fathead um, independently, by the way. So he was working for mm-hmm. me and a bunch of other independent artists doing their own independent thing. Um, and uh he then got an offer because Blue Alon's a brand new label in the scope of things. It's been around, I guess this is a couple years now. Um, he got offered a job. Uh, Blue Alon made him an offer he couldn't refuse, I guess is the way to put that. To go on board as full-time general manager for Blue Alon. So he took that job offer. Um, the radio which was, you know, professional radio people hired to actually work radio were exactly the same people that you and I um, worked with with the release of original, which was Frank Rosak Productions, an independent radio guy that does blues and some American root stuff, as well as um, Leslie Ruffet, same company, um, working the Americana working their relationships with radio for Americana. Harry Baker, which has a company called Conqueroo Publicity, who's been a friend of mine for a very, very, very long time, known Kerry a long time, met him in the 80s um, through other mutual friends, um, also was doing the publicity. Now, Blue Alon also brought on additional relationships um, with more people that they are established with those relationships that they brought to the party. So it was the original fathead team. Um, I guess you could say uh, plus with big fat capital letters on the plus word there. Um, right. And they brought um, much better budget. Right. Period. Sure. You know? So, so, so let me just say this to you as a, as a, as a fully independent artist, we're going to, we're going to hire your whole team that you already have that you know, and you trust, and you know, these people, and you know how hard they're going to work. Plus we're going to augment that with some of our own relationships and we're going to give you, you know, three to five times the amount of money that you have. Right. Yeah, but we're going to give deal. you, we're still going <laughs> to give you complete creative control and we're going to be about collaborative, you know, collaboration and the relationships for the release of the record. And we're not going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do as the label. And if sure. you tell us no, we're going to accept that as an answer. 
Right. Sounds a little bit like a panacea, I know. Yeah, yeah, not not uh, not not bad terms. Right. Um, well, I want to circle back and talk a lot about the Grammy, obviously, because that's you know that's the big exciting thing happening at the moment, or the Grammy nomination that is. Um, but if you don't mind, and and I don't know, you know, I've heard you talk talk about this in, in various articles and blog posts and things, but I, I don't know how open you are on this, so feel free to sh- sort of shut this down, uh, or keep it brief, mm. or go into detail. But I bring it up because. Um, uh, I, I, th- I think a lot of people can benefit from sort of hearing it, but you know, you're, you're this blues artist or at least uh, iconically as far, as far as the little genre category on most of your albums is ticked, you know, it's you're this blues artist and we have this kind of notion of, of the life of a blues artist. You know, when you think of a blues artist, you don't just think of the music, you sort of this character sort of immediately emerges in your head and you have this vision of this kind of a, a, a hard road. You know, it's a music that is the sort of externalization of some, some inner battles, you know, fought and hopefully won. And you haven't had an easy, uh, an, an easy run necessarily. Do you want to, <laughs> you know, and I know you do, I know you do a lot of, uh, uh, various charity, um, uh, projects and things like that to sort of give back um, in various ways. But do you want to talk about your journey a little bit and, and how you got from there to here? Because, and I, again, I bring it up because I think it makes the sort of the win, regardless of what happens with the actual Grammy, just being nominated, this, this huge recognition, you know, so much yeah. Uh, sweeter. Yeah, it really is a, a huge thing. Uh, as as our friend and my producer, Dave Darling, reminds me that for the rest of my life, I will be a Grammy-nominated artist, and no yeah, one will sure. ever be able to remove that from me, you know. And that's mm-hmm. that's profound, you know. Um, as the business music goes, a Grammy nomination is the highest accolade possible. Um, you know, a Grammy win is the highest accolade possible to achieve. So, yep. uh, personally, you know, and I do take, you know, people say, I don't take your work personal. Well, screw you. I do take my work personal because my work is personal. It's personal. You know, it's a personal thing. Music, art, it's personal. It's personal. It's, it's political and it's personal. Okay. So, um, and try to be brief about it. You know, I mentioned earlier that I'm a fighter, that I've always been a fighter and somehow, oddly, that's true. I am, um, an orphan. I, you know, I have a story. Everybody's got one. This just happens to be part of mine. Um, you know, um, lost my parents when I was pretty young girl. Um, they both took their own lives. Um, I have a long, a long line on both sides of my family of, uh, so we say, uh, Preachers, drunks, and beauty operators, uh, a couple horse thieves in there. And um, so that is to say that I come by the saga. I come by the tale honestly. You know, sure. uh, 12 foster homes, two years, um, three psychiatric hospitalizations, um, and then I was 16. So that was like the, there's right, the early wow. part, okay? So, yeah. so, um, you know, uh, if you're going to kill you or it's going to make you stronger. And I'd like to know whoever made that saying up that which doesn't kill you, make you stronger. Cause I would punch him in the face. 
but it turns out to be true. <laughs> it turns out to be the yeah. truth, okay? At least for me, part of the truth. So, yeah, I'm a fighter. And, you know, my parents did some screwed up stuff. They also did some great things. And one of, my, one of the great things my father did for me before he left us was that he taught me about business. He started teaching me about business when I was a little girl. And it turned out that I am pretty good at business. And that turns out to be a priceless skill as an independent artist. Because the one thing I'm not is somebody that sits around waiting for people to do stuff for her. I'm not good at it. I've never been good at sitting around waiting for others. Um, you know, I'm kind of the person that grabs the thing out of your hand and says, give me that. I'll do it myself. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, sure. So music has always been my respite. Music um, has always been, you know, really a blessing for me. My obsession with music as a young girl Um I suppose if there was somebody that was paying close attention, they might have recognized an artist. They might have recognized a musician. Um, you know, um, my my absolute obsession with needing to see live music as a young girl, sneaking into clubs, the fake ID, the whole story, um, which all that is a testament to is that music has always been that thing that has spoken to my heart, that has spoken to the the place in me where there aren't any words. You know, and I need that. I've needed that mm-hmm. my entire life. You know, this, this, the, yeah. the ridiculous phrase that it soothes the savage beast is absolutely true in my case. You know, sure. so, so am I aware today seven days out from a Grammy nomination that I'm one of the luckiest women in the world. Yes. Am I living the life unimagined? Absolutely. What does that mean? Unimagined by me. I never imagined that I would be this sort of warrioress, this, that, that the world and that people in it would look at me as some sort of person that, they get hope from when they watch me uh, or perform or, or read a blog and go, yes, when they, you know, I, I never imagined I would be that person. I, sure. I, I kind of still don't imagine myself that way, but I just keep doing it. And until the, until the guy in the uniform with the badge shows up with a bullhorn and, and tells me I'm off sides and that I have to go, I'm going to keep doing it. Because it turns out, you know, that I must be doing, you know, I'm 60 years old now, John. I just turned 60 yeah. last week, dude. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm damn well, young. For well 60. done. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, you, you know what I feel like? Are. I feel like, personally, like I just got away with something in the best way yeah. possible. Like, 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 dude, you just turned 60. Like, look at your life. You're happily coupled you're happily married with a with with a partner with a husband that is that is wonderful and super supportive you're you're 
in partnership with a label that is actually supportive. You have a great relationship with, with a producer who you trust and that you work with. You have really, I have really good friends, man. I sing songs. I travel around the world. I, now I write songs. That was a scary, that was a scary leap, which also happened. Yeah. Truly, truly, really, I committed to that with original. I committed to that sure. part of the process in, in the releasing uh, of original. Um, I write songs and people, you, you know what it's like to step out onto a stage and you put your mouth up to the mic and you see the beautiful faces of the people who have paid money to come and see you and they are mouthing the words to your songs along with you. First note. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how to explain that gift that they give to me, that they give to us as artists doing original material. They already know the tunes before the show starts. And, and how much love is exchanged in the process of that, you know? Is it every day amazing? No. Do I work my ass off? Yes. I'm really tired, yeah. If you look at the most recent blog, it starts with the two words, I quit. You know, do I have that kind of an internal crisis again and again? Yeah, of course I do. I'm always questioning myself. But there's this other thing that's happened to this, to this kid, to this orphan, to this alumni of foster care, to this girl who was in mental institutions for prolonged periods behind locked doors with psychiatrists trying to, you know, talk her into things like shock treatments and Thorazine. That's wow. all true, man. It's all real. I got, I mean, I can stand here and look you in the eye and tell you that part of my truth. And now I'm standing here seven days out from Grammys. And what's, what's even more wild about it, my life, you know, uh, next like Wednesday on the 8th, I leave for India. To, and I'm wow, going to, dude, dude, I'm going to India for three days. I'm going to, I'm going to play a big festival in, in Mumbai and then I'm going to jump on a plane after I'm done playing and I'm going to take a red eye to LA and I'm going to land in LA at six 30 in the morning on the 12th of February, which is the day of the Grammys. And I'm going to, you know, my husband's going to pick me up and I'm going to go home and take a shower and put on a real fancy gown and get in a limo and go to the Grammys. Well, here's something, uh, life, there's man. no delay in your flights. Right, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be fine, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, dude, like, whose life is this? No, I know. That, right? That's incredible. And I really appreciate you sharing all that stuff. And, you know, I hope that was cool that I sort it's of went fine. there. But um, I just, I, I just, I think that, uh, you know, we, we musicians are a complicated bunch. And there yeah. are a whole lot of people at the begin at the beginnings of their journeys that, uh face all kinds of demons and so yeah as, right. as you couldn't have painted uh, better just there i think that um you know there's always there's always light at the end of that tunnel and and your story is uh, certainly a testament to that there so, can be but i'm uh, telling you right now that sometimes you have to dig the china with a spoon yeah you, sometimes you gotta like more. you know you're looking behind you going who's helping me and then there's nobody there and you got yeah 
a fucking spoon in your hand and you're in the dark. Just keep digging. Well, and I love that that's the recurring theme and how much you've mentioned business because, you know, business is this evil word to a lot of musicians. And as someone who runs a lot of Facebook ads, um, you know, which which I run business ads to musicians, you know, that's that's making me that's like putting a giant target on me uh, for for a crowd um, that, you know, there, there is certainly a, a, a passionate minority of musicians that do embrace the business, but the majority of, of musicians out there, um, have I said magicians yet by accident? I'm, I'm certainly going to listen, listen to this back and hear, hear really, magicians. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, I, in my experience, and I hope I don't offend anyone here, but the, the majority of musicians are, they're intuitive people, they're creative people. And they just, I don't, I think there's a lot of fear, um, when it comes to the work that is actually involved with this and they, they don't want the, the work to be so crucial. So they stick their heads in the sand and get critical of, of anybody who is, um, uh, doing the work and um, acknowledging that this is a business. And mm-hmm. I see this comment over and over and over and over again uh, on on my ads that essentially claim that I can, you know, help you learn how to actually sell music. It's, it's just that I'll just make good music and and that's how you sell albums. And it's just like, not in the world we no live in. Idea. It's not, no, that's, that, you know, <laughs> no. there is, there's a, there's a lot to be said for magical thinking. That's what I call it. Magical thinking. Sure. And there's a lot yeah, of yeah. problems with magical thinking. And as far right. as I'm concerned, if you don't right. have a plan for your business, you're not going to make it. Yeah. It's not. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, speaking of plans and business, um, let's talk some more about Love Wins Again and this this Grammy nomination that we've been dancing around. I don't know how much you can kind of quantify any of this, um, and I imagine, you know, you can't for the most part. However, there's a lot of independent artists out there going, man, I would love you know, to be nominated for a Grammy. How does that even happen? You know, one uh, one perceives that as being a very political situation that's not just going to happen to any old artist who puts out an album. Um, you know, you are this, and I hope I'm capturing um, the state of things correctly, you are kind of, as a brand, you know, you're sort of, you're, you're not this household name, but you certainly are an established art artist, but you're still, to my mind, you're still in that kind of, you're, you're in that established indie kind of artist category, if, if that's such a thing. Yeah. And then, then there are other artists that are just out there. They haven't established the brand that you have, you know, but they're, they're putting out albums and they're performing and, uh, can that even happen to one of these artists? Like, how, how much of this is political? Uh, like, try to explain this process. So you've, you've released this album. You have the Grammy. How does this come about? How does an artist, and again, an a independent artist, get nominated for a Grammy? What can you tell anyone listening to this about this, this process? Because I honestly don't really know. I got the email from you saying I'm nominated for a Grammy. And I go, <laughs> how the hell did that happen? <laughs> Was this your publicist? Was this the label? Was this magic? You know, how did it happen? Mm-hmm. It was kind of D, all of the above. So, so, so here's in my view um, part of it. I have been a card-carrying member of NARIS, National Association of Recording Arts and Sciences, since the 80s, meaning mm. I'm a member and I have voted in the Grammys since the 80s. You have to be a member of NARIS in order to get a nomination. You can't get a nomination right. if you're not a card-carrying member of NARIS in good standing, number one. 
join it. Join Neris. That's where it starts. Um, you know, learning to, you know, let me just say this. I think the word political has a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Politics, the term politics outside of <clears throat> he whose name shall not be mentioned from my list, um, <laughs> yeah. who happens to have taken the, the highest office uh, in the United States government hostage um, right now. Um, I need to cue some kind of a horrible sound effect. Yeah, here, you just anyway, do it with crashing glass or something. You know? <laughs> a bomb going off would work. Um, yeah. <clears throat> politics is the term politics has got a bad rap. You know, there's politics everywhere. There's politics in your relationship with your family. There are, <clears throat> excuse me, politics in relationship with the people that you work with. They are office politics. There are family politics. There are politics in a marriage or long-term spousal um, partnered relationship. There are politics everywhere. So get over it, for starters. There's me being hardcore, okay? Get over <laughs> no, the idea it. that you're not going to play politics. If you're living and breathing and you're not living in a cave, you're, there's politics going on. You know, what, you know, let's just talk about a real simple fundamental one. You get more bees with honey. So when mm-hmm. you go to the cashier at the grocery store and you want them to accept the coupon that you know is expired for the food item that you're going to get, do you walk up there and act like a jerk or do you walk up there and act like a nice person? You walk up and act like a nice person. Because if you walk up and act like a jerk, yeah. for sure, there's no chance you're going to get what you're asking for. It's called politics. You know, so, mm-hmm. so get over it, right? Number one. Of course, it's political. Uh, is, it, is it evil? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it about name recognition in the demographic of the Recording Academy? Yes. A lot of it is. Is it about the deliverance? of the best craft that I am able to give birth to because we know that making records is a birthing process. Yeah, it's about that. Did my publicist help get my name out there? Did my manager help get help me get name recognition? Did Blue Alon help me get name recognition? You bet. Those are all the reasons to have those things in place or to try to at least affect that those kinds of relationships to have those kinds of relationships if you can't afford it excuse me or you don't want to have those kinds of relationships with publicists and radio people and labels then you're going to have to do it yourself you're going to have to diy big time you can do that but there's politics in all of that stuff you know um a lot of it has to do with delivering the best thing that i can deliver today as an album and as a CD, as music that's out there. And and it's about getting it out to the people. It's about name recognition, not just in the world in in general, but particularly in the demographic of the Recording Academy so that they know my name when they see it. So that makes them willing to listen to my work and then they make their decision. There's a voting process. Awesome. Yeah, there's a voting process that goes on with Recording Academy, and it is members only. And that's how it works. Right. 
So, right. you know. And, and again, just to kind of break that down as much as we can. So when somebody gets nominated, um, is that coming internally? Do you nominate yourself to get in the initial running, you know, for this? How, how does that all, how does that process start? I could submit for a nomination. Blue Elan could submit on my behalf. In this case, Blue Elan submitted um, the album um, for the nomination for album of the year. They, we also submitted for producer of the year. We also submitted for best artwork. We also submitted for best engineered album. Um, anyone that is a recording Academy member that qualifies to be a recording Academy member can submit for round one of the nomination. There are thousands of people that submit. And then there is a committee there are multiple committees that basically sit in rooms and go through every single nomination to make sure that they're in the right category and that they qualify. Right. And then it go, it gets whittled, it gets separated, it gets organized, and then it gets the numbers get whittled down. But just because you submit something doesn't mean it necessarily qualifies. And then. Um, it goes on to the next round, round number two. And there are all of that gets voted upon by the membership. And then it goes to round number two. I believe there's three rounds, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, that third round begets the five names in each category that are nominated. Right, right. And how much do you know about whether the sort of perceived success of the album factors in? So if you're an artist, you're a member of Naris, you submitted your work, but you sold 40 copies, but it's a beautiful, fantastic album, and you just you know put it out independently by yourself, didn't have a plan, you didn't know what you're doing, so it didn't make any kind of a splash. Do you, do you have a shot? Does that even, that, that doesn't happen, does it? I mean, um, how, much, how much does the voting committee uh, take into consideration the success of the album? How much does that matter, or does it matter at all? What do you, what do you know about that? I don't, I don't think that the, that the, that the, that the committees determine that. Um, okay. That, and, and I don't really know the answer to that other than my opinion is that if you sold mm-hmm. 40 copies of your record, you're not going to get a Grammy nomination. <laughs> okay. Yeah, totally. Totally. 4,000. Sure. But yeah you could get a Grammy nomination. Sure. 40, not so much. So oh, right, if you right, don't right. have name recognition, you're, it, 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 I don't know how that could happen. I've been in the running for Grammy right. nominations for years, but without enough name recognition, I haven't been able to make the cut. Right. Not the first right. time I was in the running. So- so whether conscious or subconscious, there, in your opinion, there would seem to be uh, this this brand factor. They don't want to just vote on a great album. They want to gr- uh, vote on a great album made by an artist of some significance, even if that's in a smaller independent significance. There's still probably this, again, conscious or unconscious sort of brand threshold that is probably part of this this. Um, this thing happening. I think, would you say that's I think, I think that yeah. would be accurate. Yeah. And I think that makes it all the more important to have a plan for your business and then to execute right. that plan. Right. Because if you don't, maybe you don't, you know, and, and, and 
I don't know, I don't know another way to say this, John, but, but if you don't have a plan for your business, you know, here's the way I was raised in the music business. Here's the way I was mentored. You better absolutely be the very best that you can be version of yourself that you can possibly be. If you're going to get up on stage and you're going to take somebody's money for this job you want to be doing, you really better be damn good at it. And if you're not, get out of the way. Move aside. Because there is going to be at least three to five people right behind you nipping at your heels that are going to be that good and that are going to be that committed. So if you're not willing to do that, just move aside. It's yeah. crowded in here. Couldn't agree more. You know, <laughs> it is. And and that would be a great place to sort of wrap up. I wanna I wanna hit a little harder on the Grammy process and just get more insight because again, this isn't I, I I've never paid attention to these things. I don't know anything about oh, the awards or any any aspect of, of any kind of awards, even like local Los Angeles uh, singer songwriter awards and things like that that were always happening around me never had any clue as to how all these kinds of things happen right. but I, I, and I think and maybe this isn't even a, a factor but one at least in my brain always kind of assumes that there's some campaigning going on behind the scenes is there and if so how, how does that work how does one uh, sort of a- attempt to campaign for something like this for a Grammy nomination, you have to be very, very careful. Yeah. The Recording Academy has extremely strict rules and regulations um, for its members um, and for people that have submitted um, in terms of actual campaigning. There are, there are because we we should say you mentioned that the the committee of the you know the the nearest members vote, but we're talking about thousands of people, correct? Although, do you know what let, that number let me, is? Let me say, I don't know what that number is. I don't know what the membership is. Right. But I do know, I do know this. Um, the number of people, for example, that it requires percentage-wise um, to for Beyonce to win a Grammy is very different mm-hmm. than the number of people required for Jennifer Magnus to win a Grammy because of the because of the category. Because there are not mm-hmm. that, there are not as many people paying attention to contemporary blues as there are the stuff that Beyonce does. The numbers are different. Sure. What? So the numbers are. What do you mean by that? Like, wh- why are they different? Are some people just not voting on certain categories? Yeah. Well, you're only allowed to vote oh, on a certain on a limited number. Each member can only vote on a limited number of nominations. Oh, okay. You can't just vote for everybody in every category. You can't do that not allowed I see. it's not allowed there's certain there's certain language that you are allowed to utilize um within the membership as a member in good standing to ask people to consider your nomination for your consideration you know you can't go mm-hmm. i'm a contemporary blues artist under the american roots category which is uh i want you to mark dot number 27 b you can't do that. Right. People have right. to do, the voters have to exercise their own diligence. Go to links and the, the academy has, you know, um, stuff posted, listening sites. So you can go there, you can do your own research. But if I were to go up to you and go, John, 
I want you to vote for me under American Roots Contemporary Blues, line 57B. I just, I'm just pulling that at the top of my head. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that's where it was. I don't really know where it was. I can't remember. Sure. Sure. <clears throat> but that would be totally illegal. I could have my membership taken away and my, nom- you know, my potential nomination could be disqualified if I did that. You can't do right, that. Right. It's against their rules. And there's good reasons for that. Because the Recording Academy really does want it to be, they want to maintain a level of honor with what's happening, regardless of how the world and this this idea of envy, this idea of jealousy, regardless of how the world sees other people, you know, regardless of the system of the, the politic of the haves and the have-nots. Regardless of that, regardless of what people might think, unless you're in it, you're not really going to know. You're not really going to understand. If you're a recording academy member, then you're going to understand the rules and regulations because you're going to have access to it. You're going to understand a lot more about the process if you participate in the process. It's no different anywhere else in any other platform. Choose a platform, presidential election, election for governor. Yeah. Choose it. Understand well, uh, it. You need to have along those lines. You know? Sure, sure. Along those lines, you know, we do in in government. We hear all the time about sort of not secret, not unethical. I'm not trying to imply anything like that, but you know, the, the campaigning, the the ethical, the allowed sort of campaigning that one can do for something like this. From what I understand, which is again very simplistic, um, but from what I understand, that does take place to a certain extent there. I mean, I've seen the ads on Facebook for various artists and helped you run one once, yeah. you know, um, uh, where you're just trying to build awareness. Um, what, what kind of campaigning, you know, does take place that, you know, artists might find interesting? Well, I mean, I think, I think social media is a, is a, is a remarkable tool. And so, mm-hmm. you know, name recognition in social media, you know, mm-hmm. um, is, so just is a big part of that whether that's advertising or having a presence or talking about you know um being in the running or talking about actually getting a nomination um you know those things are important um name recognition can happen on and needs to happen on multiple levels not just social media you know right does that make sense right <clears throat> yeah but the the components of this of of a win, so to speak, are really just uh, that final round. Actually, is that the entire voting committee voting on the final round as well, or is it a smaller committee voting on on the very fine, you know, the the final five? That's a smaller committee. I mean, that you know, um, there are phases of committees all the way along. But mm-hmm. but in the very beginning, everyone submits thousands of submissions. That's the first thing you see as a voting member. Right. And then you put your votes in and then it gets whittled down. You know, the committees, the committees Uh are, um, from what I understand, are are highly qualified individuals, meaning they are knowledgeable in different genres. It's not like you got some, it's not like you got Steve Bannon up there who bought his way into the situation. 
Right, right. No, I can't. But when you get down to that final five, so for, for you know, the, the big awards on the 12th, how many people approximately, or do you know, uh, have are, are voting on, let's take, you know, your your To get you to the five? Category. You mean to get you to five? Mm-hmm. Well, it's... No, no, to get you to the one, to get you to the one. That's the Recording Academy membership. I don't know what that number oh, the, is. Oh, the entire, the entire yeah, base yeah. Uh, votes on it that. It goes out. I see, I see. You know? Okay. So I'm not going to vote it. in the hip-hop category because I don't not my thing right you know, but as a voting right. member i am going to vote in american roots i am going to vote in folk music i am going to vote in jazz i am going to vote but my i'm limited every member is limited to the number of votes they can cast Right. So it is it is fairly human at, at this stage because yeah. we're talking about thousands of people. This this isn't 12 critics nope. voting on it. This is thousands of people voting on it. So nope. it's really just about having enough name recognition yep. that they that they connect before they even sort of hit play and then from there it's about the music. Yep. That's what we that's you know, Got absolute it. best case scenario and that's what we hope for. This idea that if you vote and for me, there, I'll vote for you. Uh, this idea of, um, you know, of that level of unauthentic politicking, mm-hmm. I think, I suppose, you know, I can't say that it doesn't exist. I know I don't participate in it. I can't say that it's, you know, 100% not there. It's probably there, but I don't really know. I don't participate in it. I don't ascribe to it, you know. I, you know, right. I want my vote to be valued. Therefore, I value the votes of other people in the same. I want my vote sure. to be respected. You know, I don't want you can't right. buy my right. vote. You know. Right. But name and recognition, as far as you know, there name is... recognition is a super powerful thing in this demographic. Sure. Yes. Sure. That makes a lot. Of... Yeah makes a lot of sense um and so as far as you know there's it's a pretty clean process there isn't a lot of that vote trading or any other, uh, other stuff like that going not on that or, i'm aware of no. is there and a it's sort not, of, yeah. the, uh, the academy strongly discourages that they're like if they find out you're sure. doing that you're out they're going to take your membership right, away right. they don't want that very strict oh, cool. regulations that helps sort so, of you know Sure, sure. That helps um, shine some light on the process because, yeah, like like I said, it's not something I've ever personally paid much attention to. Um, I don't understand what goes on to it, but it's certainly uh, certainly exciting when it happens. I think people want to think. I think sometimes people want to think in their own um, discouragement that it's a lot more evil than it actually is. (laughs) Right, it's not like that, you know. yeah, no, that's that's good to hear. And um, you know, for for me, I, I don't think we've even said this. Like, so I was brought on by Blue Elon to handle all the online marketing part of of Jennifer's album, just kind of like I did on on original as well. And so it's been very exciting for me to get to uh, you know be part of this. And while obviously this is a hundred percent you and your win, it's really cool to be part of uh, a, a team that you know has has brought someone this far. It's been it's been pretty amazing. It's, it's remarkable, um, and it is definitely a sum of the parts, dude. It's not happening without cool. you. It wasn't. It wasn't happening without you and your exceptional work. It wasn't going to happen without the publicist. It wasn't going to happen without all of that. And I think it's. I think you know. Do I like to think it's the culmination of of all these years? Yeah, that's probably part of it. But there's a lot of people that have been at for, it for these for years sure. and haven't worked um, their business this way. So there you go. Right. Right. Well, 
Yeah, there you go. Well, um, I, I suppose we should probably wrap up at this stage. But and you've you've had I, I'm going to ask it anyway. But you've already had so much great advice for artists, and you've you've obviously focused on uh, having a plan in business. But I'm, I'm going to at, at the risk of forcing you to be redundant. Is there any uh, advice that you have for artists starting out today? So somebody is just getting going. We're facing all these challenges with Spotify and streaming platforms and this debate about whether albums even make sense anymore. And, you know, the rock star of today is certainly it's a, it's a very, it's a different thing than it was uh, in years past. Um, taking all of that into consideration and, and you don't have to answer along those lines or comment on any of the specifics that I just laid out. I mean, purely to sort of set the stage for the fact that this is a different environment that artists are emerging in today. Do you have any advice for that that person who's just planning the recording of their very first album, doesn't necessarily have a large following yet, but wants to live a life being a performer as you have? Yeah, I think you really have to um, have a plan, even if it's a, you know, stage one plan for your business. You know, I think, I think, um, social media marketing, learning about it. If you can, you know, if you find a, a, a system that you can, um, learn about the do's and don'ts on social media marketing, what works, I think that's super important. I think you have to have a plan for your business at every phase. I think it's really important. Um, and, um, you know, Mavis Staples likes to say, keep your eye on the prize. Now, for me, the prize, Yeah. you know, this is the thing. I'm 60 years old. I'm still doing it. Yeah. You know? and, I, and, and that's, like, amazing to me. That's amazing to me. Sure. That I'm, you know, I've, <laughs> I've done it this long, you know. Um, I didn't have that as a vision when I started. All I knew was that I needed to sing. That's all I knew. I needed to be with the music. I needed to be around musicians. I needed to be in the sound. I needed to bathe my spirit in the sound of music. I needed that. I needed that's what I was chasing. I was chasing that. I wasn't chasing like some, you know, business knowledge. I'll tell you that. If I had chased the business knowledge a little sooner or a lot sooner, I might have gotten farther quicker. Right. I'd have been 35 and 40 going, hey, I got a Grammy nomination instead of 60. Uh, maybe not. Right. Maybe not. Right. Maybe not. Right. Get a plan for your business and, and don't give up. Don't give up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, fantastic stuff, um, Geneva. I really appreciate appreciate you uh, sharing all that and letting us in on on this whole exciting time. You know, regardless of what happens, as as you know, Dave mentioned, or or you pointed out that Dave mentioned, you know, you are you are from from here forward forever a Grammy nominated artist, and it is, as you say, you know, the highest honor in our industry. So it's 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 really cool, and congratulations to you. Thanks, John, um, and to you as well, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> Uh, yeah, congratulations thanks. to the team yeah for sure and uh, you know f fingers crossed or break a leg or whatever you're supposed to say yeah. but we'll, we'll see what happens and, and regardless you know well done and if it's not this year we'll have to we'll just have to come back next and, and do it all we'll again. come back swinging that's right um, yeah for sure alright well thanks so much Geneva thanks John take care
All right. How about that? A very, very uh, amazing story from a very hardworking and talented woman. Very much appreciate uh, the time that Geneva took out of her chaotic week to talk to us about the the process, uh, about her career, and of course, once more about her her amazing Grammy nomination. So, so thanks to Geneva for that. If if you'd like to check out her music, which you, you really should, if you like blues, if you like soul, if you like sort of that uh, American roots kind of thing, uh, then check out her stuff. She she's she's unquestionably the real deal. Um, very good artist, and you can you can download some music for free uh, at genevamagnus.com. Again, that's genevamagnus.com. You can check out her stuff, sign up to her mailing list, get some free music while you're at it, and uh, keep tabs on on a pretty impressive career. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Again, if you have time, head on over to iTunes or whatever uh, network it is that you download your podcast through and uh, leave leave a review and a rating. Those reviews really help. Uh, very much appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned. I've got another guest uh, coming up that I'm uh, very excited to have on the show. Jason Sheff, the longtime vocalist and bass player from the world-famous Chicago uh, to talk to us about the new music industry, online marketing, and uh, and a pretty amazing career. So stay tuned for that. That should be coming out in another couple of weeks here. All right, thanks for listening, and until next time, I'll see you at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.